Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on a Monday morning. I'm John Ledger, your host from over at FanRagSports.com, along with Trevor Sikkim, my co-host from over at PewterReport.com, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this Monday edition of Locked On NFL Draft is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at MyBookie.ag. Trevor, what an eventful weekend. You have a number of W's that you would like to declare over me is what I've been heard through the grapevine as I'm trying to avoid social media or interactions with other people. But eventually, this is my job. This is my responsibility to get on this podcast and and take some L's. So go ahead. What do you have to say? uh, Yeah, I wanted to, to, you know, on uh, Friday night, just I was just, you know, tweeting to the good people of Twitter.com. I was like, oh, man. You know, what a great game between Washington State and USC. Who could have seen that coming? Oh, me. <laughs> I did. I Suck just it. saw USC was going to get it together, but nope. Didn't look like it. Nope. They take after their uh, teams, take after their quarterback. And, and this down. season, Sam Darnold is not who we think he is. So Neither is any other rookie quarterback. You know, that's probably true, too. And then I uh, had a win on Sunday because uh, – or like early Sunday or Sunday in the morning. Saturday, don't don't forget that one. I'm reminding you of your W's, but which you one? You said Clemson was going to win. I said Virginia Tech was going to win. Oh, yeah, yeah you, you even forgot. Virginia Tech was yeah, you forgot win. even. Shouldn't have reminded you. But yeah. yeah, that was dumb of you. Yeah, that was really stupid of me. <laughs> on multiple levels, because I even said like Clemson's really good at primetime games, and I know it's on the road, but. Dude, I don't know. They just didn't. Virginia Tech didn't match up with all of them. I just thought Clemson was going to finally make some mistakes and and blow it. I was thinking. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this this weekend when Clemson was destroying the team that you said was going to upset them. <laughs> um, there are five good teams in college football. You ready for it? Alabama. Yes. yes. Clemson. Yes. Um, the team with Saquon Barkley, and I'm saying these on purpose. Because it's more Saquon Barkley than Penn State. That one team with Saquon Barkley. Sure. Um, Lamar Jackson, when he's not playing any of the three teams I mentioned before him, and then Georgia. Mm, what about Oklahoma? You, fake football, Big 12? Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, Louisville's not a good team. I think Lamar Jackson's right, played like, great, but. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, that was the whole point. It's like Lamar Jackson can absolutely destroy basically any other team in the country other than the ones that are the top five best in the country. You know what I'm saying? Right. That like does that make sense? Does that make sense? I think yeah. I don't know if I'd agree, but I I I can see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Um, I have it: Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. Penn State, although I have concerns there, but they're the Big Ten. I forgot not about good. I forgot about Oklahoma because I was doing that on the fly. So Oklahoma yeah. people, don't be too mad at me. I love I have, I have Georgia fifth um, right now, and I have USC. I think I still have USC sixth. I can't remember now. It's not in front of me, but 
I still think USC's a, a, a good team. I think they could they can beat. They have the talent to beat just about anybody. But it, they, you're right. Who's this? Uh, USC. No. Not Alabama. But I think okay. they could beat Clemson. I think they could beat Oklahoma. No. But here's no. the thing: they don't play consistently, uh, consistent enough. Right. And so then I have concerns because I, if they put it all together, and they could, you never know. You know, they could, but until they do, it is it would be hard for me to yeah, to to pick on them or bet on them as, against any of those top five teams. Georgia's for real though. Georgia's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think that. Uh, I didn't see that coming either. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, I and I certainly didn't see it with Jake Fromm. But man, that was uh, right. Good on them. Mm-hmm. Good on them. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we we're delving into college football a day earlier than we typically do, but there. Oh, oh, you also you have you got the dub on OJ Howard too. Not over me, but oh, just yeah. in general. So, so at like like eleven or noon yesterday, if anybody missed this, um, I tweeted out OJ Howard is getting his first touchdown today in parallel with OJ Simpson getting freed. Favored this tweet, and um, lo and behold, fifty-eight yard touchdown for for the juice. From Mr. Juice. Wide open, so, uh, both national championship games. Um, <laughs> Jenna Lane, she works, she covers the Bucks for ESPN. She was in the press box, and the second it happened, she just said, where's Trevor? And I just, like, pop my head out, and I just stare at her and smile, and she just starts laughing because she had read <laughs> the tweet. <laughs> That's funny. But it kind of it delved us into what was what is going to be an interesting discussion on rookie performance um, in week four because we're starting to see a lot of these guys start to play bigger roles. And here's an interesting tip. We've got a lot to cover and talk about, but we'll start. We'll talk up to it with a degree still about the running back position. I know we've talked about it already a good bit, but I just find this really fascinating. Of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, of the top 10 receivers right now amongst rookies, in the NFL, so just just counting rookies, top ten receivers, only two are wideouts. Cooper Cup hmm. has fourteen catches for 186 yards. He's currently fifth, and Trent Taylor <laughs> for the 49ers has 11 catches for 93 yards and a touchdown, um, and he's tied for seventh with like a hundred other people. Um, George Kittle is down there tenth. The only uh, out of, there, there's no rookies other than Trent Taylor with 11 catches and Cooper Cup with 14, with double digit catches. And I've watched some of of Cup and I haven't already. I've seen two San Francisco games and not even noticed Taylor. So, I mean, he's averaging 8.5 yards a catch. So that's probably why. And, and Cup has had a couple pretty big drops too. Um, so this is just a totally unimpressive start for rookie wide receivers having said that Corey davis hurt mike williams hurt that's not really that hard to foresee when you take those john things ross into consideration. hurt yeah john ross hurt uh, carlos henderson hurt so you take all those things into Josh consideration Reynolds being criminally undervalued yeah that that is a, a bummer i mean and i can't even really suddenly Atlanta, or the rams have like a lot of right talent, like so what do you yeah like what do you like what do you say yeah. at this point I like reynolds can't. isn't gonna play in the slot it's not gonna no. happen like he's not a slot receiver hey, he's Cops not gonna play at receiver. all yeah, and you have Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods outside. He's not better than those two right now, so I can't even really complain about it, but yeah. Um, but running backs, <laughs> Joe Mixon has 11 catches. Dalvin Cook, pour one out, uh, has 11 catches. Uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, 12 catches. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 20 catches. Christian McCaffrey, 22 catches. And Tariq Cohen leads all rookies with 24 catches this year. <laughs> it's just been a very strange 
Evan Engram's in there fourth with 19 catches. I think he's had mm-hmm. a really good start to his Giants career considering. He looked really nice against the Bucks yesterday. Yeah, he's really good. And they've used him terribly, the Giants, and, you know, not played any of his strengths. And, you know, when McAdoo gets canned and somebody else hopefully comes in that you will use him a lot better and split him out wide and, you know, find mismatches for him a lot better than McAdoo has, um, I think he's just going to absolutely tear it up. Um, and then Kittle down there with 10 catches for 83 yards hasn't really done very much yet. But, um, it's just yeah, there's just not a whole lot and uh, to speak of in in the in the wide receiver group right now. Juju Smith Schuster did have a touchdown. He does have two on the season. He had a touchdown the other day. Good I saw the Dragon Ball drill. Z celebration. Dragon Ball Z celebration. I'm not a Dragon Ball Z guy, oh so gosh. I had no idea what was going on. Watched but. every episode through the Cell Saga, and then it started to get. Uh, well, no, I watched. Yeah, I watched every episode through the Cell Saga, and then I kind of it kind of started to lose me a little bit there. Um, during the Majin Buu era, but uh, yeah, those were uh, no idea what you're talking. I about. went uh, I went pretty crazy when he did that. So it uh, it, it me very big Juju Smith Schuster fan. <laughs> but the opposite has happened basically. Other than Smith Schuster, almost no wide receivers are producing, and then tons of running backs are producing. Not only as rushers, but also as receivers. But the devastating injuries to Dalvin Cook and Chris Carson. Although there was some whispers that Carson's injury may not be as bad as it looked, which I think he broke, kind of broke I don't know if he like broke something in his ankle, but he might have just broken his leg, which I mean, dude, if you're gonna get hurt, yeah, break a bone. Bones come back, you know, right. bones heal. Yeah, you mean you'd rather that than tearing a bunch of muscles and ligaments. Um Right. Yeah. But there's been some yeah, there's been some solid rushing. I mean, Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook were one and two in the league going into that uh yesterday. Um Kareem Hunt plays tonight. He's averaging eight point five yards per carry right now. Uh I don't know whether that'll come back down to earth or not. Um, But Carson, but Cook was second and Carson was fourth among rookie rushers. Um, And so if we lose both those two for an extended period of time, even that class will take a hit. Wayne Gallman got some of his first action uh, yesterday. Uh, The Giants can't block worth a lick, man. It was unbelievable. Paul Perkins got like killed by like five dudes in the backfield before he even reached like close to the line of scrimmage on his first couple carries. I was like, what is even going on? I mean, it it looked as bad in person to you as, as it did on TV. Yeah, what was weird about it was like they still couldn't pass rush. So I don't Yeah, like I don't I don't I, I, I don't know how to answer that because I don't know if the Bucks are just straight like that bad. Because the Bucks have by far the lowest sacks in the NFL with one. And they have one I, sack? One. One in four weeks? One. One. Oh one. my goodness. And it was Noah Spence, right? Yeah. Against Mike Glennon. Um, no, it's in three games, by the way, because they don't have. Oh, they, that's right, yeah. But still, still one sack, one. That is one, terrible. One. Um, was it one so or? I, yeah, um, it was just one. So <laughs> I don't know if they're just like terrible or what, because we've seen the Giants' offensive line be god awful. So I'm watching this Bucks game yesterday, and I'm like, oh man, there's all this hype around this team that you know, blah, like they could go really far, and I'm like, they can't get pass rush on the Giants. <laughs> This is going to end so poorly when they play actual football teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know how to assess the Giants O-line from a first-person perspective. How, how do you approach the conversation? And, and this is just typical Twitter, social media. But Alvin Kamara has, like, two good plays yesterday for the Saints. And already the narrative's buzzing, like, 
why would the Panthers take Christian McCaffrey in the top 10 if you could just get Alan Kamara oh. in the third round? I was like, geez, um, pump the brakes a little, fellas. I like Kamara yeah. a lot. I like McCaffrey a lot. I wouldn't have taken McCaffrey top 10. I've said that, but I don't know how much. I mean, Kamara's not like lighting the world on fire or anything here. Um, but at the same time, I would not have taken McCaffrey top 10 because of that. I don't think he gives you enough value. Alvin Kamara is literally the perfect fit for the Saints. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. If right. you were if you were putting together the Saints big board of running backs, I mean like uh, Kamara might be might very well have been RB2 for them behind McCaffrey, you know? And that was my biggest thing about McCaffrey is that you can probably find someone who does relatively speaking what he'll do later well, in the draft. McCaffrey and... on the Saints, he's going off right now. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So like fit means a ton. So, so like that's... better than Kamara, but yeah, and like for people saying like, oh, why, why would you take McCaffrey high if you can get Kamara, blah blah blah, and like I think you and I share the same view of um, uh, just a certain value for the running back position, and it really like you have to question the ceiling of it, especially when you're talking about contracts and the money that they make the higher that you pick them. But that being said, the fit type of running back that you are picking wherever you are picking them could mean the world. Like who know we already know that the Carolina Panthers have a separate playbook for Christian McCaffrey. Okay, so who knows next year? Basically, the offense could just be the Christian McCaffrey show. You know, like Jonathan Stewart could just be a thing of the past, and Cam Newton could just be like as a runner, like a compliment to Christian McCaffrey. You know, so it's it's just too. And I, you're going to get to this point, I think, and you're getting into it a little bit. But like just judging players before you have to, man. I mean, we're three weeks in pump the brakes about right. everything about it, the success and the failure yeah it is it's it's exactly right both sides of the coin need to be addressed because it's getting ridiculous man like let's just talk about the negative side of it declaring guys bust like so early on it just makes absolutely no sense like look at jared goff's situation last year it was atrocious in like every aspect there were so many reasons like good logical reasons to assume that he would have a chance at least to be better moving forward, to be significantly better moving forward. And there were people out there who lit, who said the Rams should trade him immediately. Like the Rams should give up on him already without, without giving him a chance with an offensive head coach or without, a, a, you know, with other talent around him with actual pass protection, you know, without a dumpster fire of an organization and a coaching staff. It, it just is. I mean, there were people who literally said Jared Goff's done. Like, we don't even have to talk about him as an NFL quarterback anymore. The Rams can keep starting him if they want. There's 0% chance that he rebounds. And now here he is. He's in the MVP conversation. And I know we're only at week four. Wow. And I'm not trying to say Jared Goff is is the GOAT or anything like that. I'm just trying to say no, you this is folks. stupid. <laughs> like, this is dumb. Why do we do this every year? Why do we not learn from these mistakes? Why do we not just be patient? You know, look at Dante Fowler tearing it up for the Jaguars right now. He's three sacks. I know he's playing more of a pass for a specialist role, but with that defensive line, you're not going to play every down unless you're Clyde Campbell. And so, you know, he, he's got three sacks, he, all high-quality sacks, like beating guys, using his hands well, bending. His first step looks great. He... Why do we declare him a bust after his essentially what was his rookie season last year when he's coming off a, a disastrous knee injury that it takes time to come back from? Why do we have to rush and declare him a bust? Why do we have to do it with Miles Jack when he doesn't start right away as a rookie? Now he's out there tearing it up. I just watched the first three plays of their game against the Jets. He made all three plays. He was all over the field, and he scored yesterday too. I, I just, you know, it just 
we did this with Vic Beasley. We didn't learn from it at all. We thought he was, the bus label was thrown around after his four-sack rookie year. He wasn't impressive. He got overwhelmed a lot. Comes out and leads the NFL in sacks the next year. And Beasley still has a way to go. But, I mean, this is just, we, we just don't learn from it. Like, as an evaluation community, we're just so quick to pull the trigger, to look for retweets, to look for clicks, to look for favorites, instead of just being smart and not, and not being stupid about this. Because what happens, you end up looking like a fool when somebody like Jared Goff comes out and is dealing all over the field, and you said he was done after his first couple hundred throws. Like, you know, that's on you at that point, man. Like, how are we supposed to take you seriously as an evaluator if you're throwing guys under the bus and saying that there's no room for players to improve or grow uh, or any of those things? Like, let it breathe, and then we'll come back and analyze them when we have a big enough sample size and good situational play to really draw from. That's, I mean, do you not see this the same way? It's just, It just gets ridiculous year after year. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does, and there's a reason why people say, "Hey, don't do, don't do those fun look back mock drafts until at least three years after they happen." You know, there's, and you know, part of me gets it just because I I know I'm in the I'm in the industry now, like I'm getting paid full time to do it. Like sometimes you just got to do these exercises, and you got to know the ones <laughs> that are going to get the most clicks and all, like, most views and like stuff like that. And like I get it. I do, but like from a logic standpoint, you're totally right. You know, if we didn't have to worry about getting clicks or views or things or blah, 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 yeah, I mean, you don't do look back stuff until at least three years, man. We forget that a lot of these kids are being taught how to actually play their position at a sound level for the first time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, when, yeah. you, when you were in high school, if you were a prized high school recruit, they are pandering to you right. to come to their school. They're telling you whatever you want to hear to come to their school because you are that talented. Okay, You get to go to their school, and then what? It's all about playing time for you early. right? Sometimes it's, it's promises of playing time and this and that. And it's like, oh, well, the best players are going to play, blah, blah, blah. That's not always the case to lure these high recruits to get to where you need to go. And as we have seen many times before, even these head coaches, offense coordinators, defense coordinators, whatever it is, they don't. I don't, I don't mean to say they don't care about the kids, but they want to win football games for their university. They do not care how good of a pro you become. So a lot of these times, these kids, whether they had success in college football or not, they might have just still been going off natural God-given ability to be as good as they were in college. And when you get to the NFL, for the first time, that first week of practice, the coach goes, son, how did you make it this far? And you go, uh... And that's just like how it is for some of these kids. And that's why right. you can't use them after a couple of years of them actually getting in the system, getting real coaching, and actually being a professional, you know, growing into a young man, into his craft. You know, that's it's part of what makes there's so many variables here, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big one is getting real coaching for the first time. Yeah. There's just a lot that goes into it. And we don't give those situations enough room to breathe. And I think it's one thing to say, after Jared Goff's rookie year, like he's on pace, you know, th- this was the worst rookie year ever, you know, or you can say, you know, statistically speaking, you know, we'll see if he can rebound, but we have to provide nuance into these evaluations. Like we can't just say worst rookie season ever. So there's no way it can improve from this point. You know, well, there were so I, many things in Jared Goff's situation that were terrible for his development. Right, but I, and for I, I do think that it's fair that you have to recognize those two, you know, Jared Goff, whether, you know, he bounced back and has this great year so far that he is having, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that he was terrible last year, and so right. you have to oh, look. Yeah. You do have you do have to look at last year, and right. uh, you can't just go. You know, it's it's 
it's a, the other side of the argument. You can't just go, oh, well, everybody just needs time. They need time here. Okay, well, right. why didn't he succeed early? You know, the coaching staff was obviously terrible. The guys who were teaching him how to play quarterback were bad. So you have to, you do have to talk about that. You say, you know, hopefully he can turn it around. But really, you know, this is what he needs to turn around. He needs a better supporting cast. He needs better coaching. He needs better mentality himself because, boy, did Jared Goff play like a scared puppy dog last year. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that got me the most. You know, you can – you can put a guy in a different situation with a different coach and a different supporting cast, but if 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 you don't have like that, uh, I guess like a assassin mentality, confidence. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, then then you're like a cerebral kind of guy. Then you're not going to be able to do it ever. And that was my main concern with Goff is that that one year in, they put him in a no win situation that was so dire that I thought that they might have ruined him right, mentally. Right. Yeah, so, that was a legit concern. And and that's the thing. You can be harsh in your evaluation. You can be realistic in your evaluation without saying there's no way he can improve. Like there's no, it's done. You know, that, that's, that's the part that gets me. Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to condemn a kid after, after a rough rookie season, maybe even a terrible rookie season when there are obvious signs in evaluating Jared Groff that suggest that growth still could be possible, you know, three years in or a couple years in or guy goes in a great situation or, you know, treats the situation flippantly, you know, like we heard rumors with Pax and Lynch and like Johnny Manziel did, you know, like, okay, then add that to the evaluation. And maybe that decreases the chance of a guy developing if he's not willing to work for it um, or have that mental toughness, that competitive spirit. But there were no talks about that with Jared Goff. Like we needed to see him in a better situation to really be able to evaluate him. And now we have, and he's playing as well as any quarterback in the league right now. And, um, and the Rams are probably the best team in that division. Um, you know, Seattle has the most talent, I really think, but there's serious weaknesses. That, you know, I think they play this upcoming week. I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to that football game. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, two other rookie quarter. We got to talk about actual rookie quarterbacks now, not second year guys. Deshaun Watson, balling out, QB one. I'm not going to I'm not see I'm not going to go the opposite way and say boom Deshaun Watson I told you all he, he was the best quarterback in the draft I told you all he was going to be like a great starter blah 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 but he's off to a really good start and I think what's most impressive is how he's developed you know I mean New England I know their defense has played poorly this year but schematically they're going to throw things at rookies that he handled really really well and then Tennessee's defense has played pretty solid this year and you go out and final score is 57-14. Not all those were the offense, but uh, Deshaun Watson threw four touchdowns, ran for one, was 25-34, completed almost 74% of his passes, 283 yards, did throw the one pick that was bad, but he was absolutely masterful, man. I mean, think about this offense a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Even in the his first start on the short week, the couple mm-hmm. days he had to prepare for Cincinnati and they put up 13 points and they get the win, but everything was just, you know, clawing, scratching to get any points. Then they go into New England and put up 33. And if the defense doesn't choke at the end, he beats the Patriots. Then they go into Tennessee and put up 57 freaking points. Like, think about the turnaround that has happened in, in Houston with Deshaun Watson, a quarterback. And he's absolutely been the catalyst for that. As a rookie, to take a unit that was you know, chronically underperforming in a horrible offensive line. He's still one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the league and be able to make plays out of that. And honestly, to take a head coach that hasn't had a lot of offensive success in the NFL and to suddenly give him that to me, that's a strong indicator of a special player. And that's what Deshaun Watson looks like so far. Dude, his mentality. I mean, I don't, I don't know for you why he was your QB one, but why he was my QB one is because in 
the biggest moments when he was had his back against the wall and boy you play a lot of big moments when you play at Clemson you know there's plenty of eight o'clock night games that you play you know Florida State's probably always going to be one of them he had a couple of those playing in the national championship back to back years in the college football playoff in the ACC championship whatever it is man this kid was ice in his veins cold-blooded calm Mm -hmm. as could be he was just the guy that you wanted to be and then what makes him and what made him such a great quarterback prospect to me is that he never let the situations around him affect how he played and how he performed himself and so that's why going into the nfl i figured that he was going to be just fine because whatever situation he went to it was probably going to be a team that desperately needed a quarterback and you know to be honest you know you got a pretty dang good defense behind you so Mm -hmm. if you were to go to one it's a cool situation for him to go to in houston but um you had to think that even though the offense was probably not going to be what it, what you wanted it to be with whatever team picked Deshaun Watson, that he was going to show up every week, that he could mm-hmm. pick himself up, that no matter like what was being thrown at him negatively, whether it was the defense trying to affect him or even his own offense, his own coaching staff that might have been trying to affect him, holding him back, not being where it needed to be, Deshaun Watson was going to still be Deshaun Watson, and um, that's you know that's what's shown early on. That's what showed in the couple of games where he's really balled mm-hmm. out. Yesterday, man, we saw a very confident quarterback, and that is just the least surprising thing that I have seen from any rookie. Right. Is that Deshaun Watson is uh, confident at all times. Yeah, he's mentally acclimating himself. Yes, the mistakes need to cut down, but there's such a clear difference between him right now. And, and even between him and Deshaun Kaiser, and I know you and I saw this coming, and Kaiser – you know, I would say had some really strong moments in the preseason. He looked better than Watson in the preseason. Um, but now you can see the struggles we talked about with Kaiser mechanically falling apart, holding the ball too long in the pocket, not quickly progressing through his reads. His protection's better than Watson's, but he's put himself in harm's way a lot of the time. Now his receivers are terrible, and they haven't run the ball well at all. And I said that before the year. Isaiah Crowell is not the guy. Uh, but they continue to rely on him and lean on him. Uh, it's been years now, um, and uh, I think that they do need better help around him. But at the same time, you know Kaiser hasn't played well either. He's completing fifty-one percent of his passes and has thrown three touchdowns and eight interceptions now. Um, there's there's a lot of issues in Cleveland, and my biggest concern is Kaiser. If this season goes as south as it looks like it could go, and let's be honest, it, it, Cleveland looks like they could go winless the way they've played um, so far. There's probably going to be shakeup at the top. I don't know if Hugh Jackson, even though I love Hugh Jackson, I'm not sure you can get away with one and fifteen or two and fourteen or zero and sixteen. You know, um, yeah, for another year. Um, and so, if there's shakeup at the top, does Kaiser get another shot? You know, does somebody stick with him to develop him? Um, there's a lot that goes into this. That could be a bummer because I do think Kaiser can be a good quarterback in time. He just isn't a good quarterback right now. But unfortunately for him. He's also the best quarterback on Cleveland's roster. So a combination of a lot of negative things right now. But I, I I do think that even four weeks into the season, we're looking at a situation where things could go south and then you wonder what happens with Kaiser's development after that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a fair concern. Just hope it doesn't happen. But uh, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about rookie defensive players 
for whatever reason, we've mentioned a couple times, but I want to touch on a couple just quickly before we wrap up this podcast. But first, ever since we started this pod, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. You got Patriots or Steelers, Chicago or Detroit. Well, let me tell you this, where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. My bookie has been in this business for years and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, so lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to me or those that I know, those that are in the betting world. That's why we're urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that is sick and uh, very well designed and makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use the promo code Locked On to activate the offer, and MyBookie match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Trevor, the defensive talent coming out of this past year's draft was was heralded to a pretty high degree, uh, especially the edge rusher or defensive back positions. We haven't seen a ton of production from the edge rusher spot just yet. Carl Lawson looks like the best of the bunch early on. Still have yet to see Miles Garrett. Uh, we'll talk about some of the struggles there uh, maybe later in the week. But two guys we had to point out because uh-huh. they were my one of them was my one of my guys and one of them was one of your guys um, that are playing really really good football. Tredavious White in Buffalo has been fantastic. Mm. And I don't know where you were at with Trey White. I actually totally forget. But he's already knocked away nine passes this year, got his hands on nine passes, and has an interception. He's consistently in throwing lanes. He's sticky in coverage. He's been a terrific fit for what Buffalo runs defensively. I could not be more impressed with Trey White in the tape that I've seen of him and those that I've talked to that I'd really trust around the Bills that cover the team extensively say Trey White has been just phenomenal for them. Where were you at on Trey? I can't remember where you were at on Trey White. I thought he was a talented kid, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't nearly as high as him as a couple of the other cornerbacks that I had. I just remember he was, he was lower on my list than I thought, um, because I thought he had a better junior. Was he a junior or a senior? I can't remember. He was a senior. I, th- yeah, I think, was, I think he was a senior. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah, senior, he was at the senior bowl. His, his junior year. And then, I just didn't really like his senior tape. I don't know. I just I just wasn't impressed with it. So um, I knew he was talented because I watched his junior tape, and I, I watched him going into the year uh, during his last year at LSU. But then he didn't pop out at me the way that I thought. And um, so, you know, his success is uh, – I didn't see that coming for sure. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a hat off to you there. Well, yeah, he's been really good so far. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Uh, but also, um, you are probably ecstatic Malik Hooker. I mean – Man, mm-hmm. this guy's barely played. He has three picks. He has six passes defensed. He's been outstanding. I know last night's was kind of a gift pick, but, I mean, some of the plays he made before that and just in general, he, I mean, he's given Indianapolis so much stability with his ability to play on the back end. He, just such a special skill set. I, I just, yeah, he's just going to be a stud, I just think. You can't teach it. Yeah, you, you can't can. teach it. You can't. The, the entire time I watched Malik Hooker at Ohio State in that last year where we got most of his tape, though I just – so many times I just repeated the word, you can't teach what he's doing. You can't teach somebody to play single high safety that well. And the fact that he has three interceptions in four games in the NFL, come on. And you could say whatever you want. Oh, you know, he's just lucky on here or there. Right place, right time. You have to put yourself in the place, man. Mm-hmm. You do. Right. So, you know, you can argue that whatever you want. Some's going to be more luck than others. But guess what? If you're coming away with the pick, it, 
ultimately doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like you, you're doing plenty of good anyways. And so the people who, and I think you were one of the people you were on my side with this one. I hope. Um, if not, with then uh, oh yeah, I'm calling you out. Yeah, no. I can't. Remember, but like with his tackling though, were you one of the people who was yeah. like, it's not that big of a deal? And not only is it not that big of a deal, it wasn't even that bad. Like he was, no, a, he, he was, was a very willing much. tackler. He, he was he missed good a couple, but first year as a starter, playing at that level, the speed of the game. I, Right, like, come on, man. You're playing safety. Every tackle you have is an open field tackle. You're going to miss. You're not going to be – you're not going to have a 100% tackle rate. Come on. And he still made some really impressive sticks on tape that I just don't get why. The whole tackling narrative with him was bizarre to me. Here's why. It's because people watch tape and they go through it like like a checklist and they don't think about things with common sense, okay? You can't take a player who is playing free safety and as he comes up into the box full speed, okay? So, like, he has his zone assignment, right? Mm -hmm. The ball is spiked. He is moving backwards at the start of the snap. If it is a short pass, a dump off a screen, whatever, he immediately has to change directions from retreating into a deep zone, start running up forward to a running back that really probably already has momentum and, and space a, to work and in. space to where he's going. Malik Hooker came up with quite a few tackles, but like when they see Hooker like go into a guy and like maybe miss, all they do is they just go, "Yep, he missed that tackle there." And you have to think about things logically. You have to think about where he's coming from and the common sense of guess what. Not like free safeties are just straight up going to miss tackles sometimes because it's impossible to ask them to hit 100%. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know what I also think hurt Malik Hooker is that Adams was in the same class. Yeah. That's what I think hurt Adams Hooker. has been great too. Because when you watch both of those guys, you watch Adams fly to the ball as much more of a strong safety, run supporter, solid tackler kind of guy who's playing almost at 130% the whole time. And he'll run up and he'll just wrap up basically anyone and everyone. And so you watch his tape, which is incredibly good and elite. And then you watch hookers and you think, oh, well, he's missing tackles left and right here. No, he's really not. You just have to see it in a different light. Mm-hmm. These positions, it's not, it's not. Oh, we're gonna set, we're gonna scout safeties today, and it's all exactly the same. You have to know what kind of safety you're scouting. It's a lot, you know, more detailed than even just going into positions like that. Carl Lawson leading the lead, leading all rookies in sacks. Malik Hooker leading all rookies in interceptions. You and I are sipping a lot of tea right now. We'll be back to take more L's later in the week because we've got plenty of those to take. But this was a victorious weekend for you. And, it and was. in some sl- smaller ways for me, but this was a victorious weekend for you. Not only because the Bucks won and Nick Folk didn't blow a fourth kick in the game, but, <laughs> but also because you nailed a couple things too. So I'm going to let you enjoy this victory Monday um, you know, and, and enjoy yourself before we move into all the L's you're going to take this next week because you know things always even itself out. So... Uh, well, tomorrow, what we got to college football to talk about. We got a lot of action from the past weekend to discuss. Um, and we may slide in, we'll slide in some more NFL talk at some point during the week as well. Uh, we'll keep bringing you guys the good stuff. You know where to find it. Uh, keep it locked right here. Oh, on this, on this Monday edition of Locked On NFL Draft, where, which was brought to you by mybookie.ag, get into all the action with mybookie.ag, where they will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Use that promo code locked on. Use it. Mybookie.ag. Check it out. Keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out. 
Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17